there's really going to be a hard question that needs to be asked about the amount of space reserved for collections and whether there's some deaccessioning that needs to happen to allow the collection to get weeded to make more space for patrons. So we're going to continue to see shifts in the balance of space within libraries. Architect Jim Kovac is a senior associate at VMDO, an architectural firm located here in Charlottesville, Virginia. His work has included significant campus and library master planning projects. Jim is particularly focused on making functional spaces beautiful and beautiful spaces functional. He has been an ALA conference presenter and Library Journal has featured his work. He has served as an adjunct professor of architecture at the University of Virginia, his alma mater. And he is currently engaged by the New City Library in Rockland County, New York, on a comprehensive library master planning project. Welcome, Jim. So happy to be here with you, Pam. I've really been looking forward to this conversation. As have we. Jim, I'm going to start by talking about libraries in general. And you know, as well as I do, these are the best of times, these are the worst of times, not just for libraries, but for all of us. We've all had to make significant adjustments to our routines and our, our working arrangements. From your perspective, how are your library clients faring during the pandemic? I think it's safe to say, Pam, that they are uh, doing their best to stay busy. Uh, many of them, like you and I, have been continuing to work from home. Uh, but I think, like all of us, some are adjusting well to digital life uh, and others are struggling a little bit more. Uh, I've found in the conversations I've had with a number of them that uh, many of them miss the personal touch that comes with their face-to-face -face interaction with patrons. Uh, I've had some really fun conversations with them about uh, what they're doing to try and reinforce the need for public connection or personal connection and touchstones. And I have a couple of examples I'd love to, um, love to share with you. So one librarian that I've been speaking with, uh, not crazy about this kind of growing digital divide has been sharing um, videos of her home garden uh, and offering gardening advice through the library website, which I think is really fantastic. And another one similarly is doing nature walks through her neighborhood uh, that focus on bird watching. Uh, she ident identifies the birds and uh, posts short clips of those on the website, library website. Um, another great example of what librarians are doing these days, uh, one of the librarians and one of the libraries we've worked at uh, has taken the 3D printer home with him and is producing parts for face shields for frontline workers. Uh, and I just think that's such a wonderful way to use that, uh, that resource, that asset in a really productive way. Well, librarians are people, people and uh, libraries are all about people. So this uh, distant connection is probably not natural to them. Uh, but as we open up, they are going to have people coming back into their libraries, even though there's going to be a lot of weariness of internal spaces, you know, close contact, that kind of thing. How are libraries responding and preparing for that? To your point, Pam, I couldn't agree more that librarians are people, people, as you say. Um, and I want to be really clear that every one of them to a person that I've spoken to uh, have been very insistent that they desperately want to get back into the library. Um, but they really want to do it in the safest way that they can. And that's 
Um, you know, they want to keep the staff safe. They want to keep the patrons safe. Um, that said, they're um, really developing some interesting uh, ways to provide services in the near term. You know, I think we are currently thinking about the coronavirus in stages so that there's a one to three month plan and then a, a plan to address issues further out. Um, curbside pickup of reserve materials seems to be um, a kind of popular way right now to allow libraries to circulate their reference materials or their uh, lending collection uh, in a safe manner so that uh, patrons can dial up the book that they'd like, uh, reserve it, and then have a, a librarian uh, bring it out to the car uh, on, the, uh, on the property. Of course, you have to be mindful of site circulation issues with uh, increased number of cars moving through the, um, through the site. Um, another thing that I've heard from a number of librarians is that you know, no longer does it make sense to have 12 patrons tethered to computer workstations on a, on a single table. I think we've heard from a number of librarians that um, they would really like to move to a model that when patrons arrive, they're actually uh, lending laptops that can be checked out, used safely at a distance in the library, and then returned when the, uh, when the patron is done with it. Uh, that does a couple of different things. Obviously, it lets people keep a safe minimum distance between them, um, but it also lets the library clean each individual computer uh, right after they've been used. Uh, in, in the same spirit, a uh, number of librarians have decided or are in the process of deciding to really decommission their um, public access station. Uh, a lot of libraries have a kind of single point of reference to check the collection uh, you know, when they're looking for a book. Uh, I think a number of librarians are now realizing that uh, most everyone with a mobile device can do that without having to use that uh, single point of uh, public access. So um, th those are all important changes that I think we can uh, anticipate uh, seeing as libraries begin to reopen. Um, you'll obviously see the techniques that a lot of stores have been using, the erection of sneeze guards at checkout counters, uh, of course, the taped off spots for people waiting in line. Um, we may start to see librarians request uh, the partitioning of small uh, group study spaces or um, quiet study spots so that um, you can try to keep patrons safely uh, kind of sequestered at, at each of those individual locations. Um, I have talked to one director of libraries in New York that suggested that in all likelihood as libraries begin to reopen, um, we'll probably first see the small group study spaces really um, utilized to the fullest extent. Those would be spaces that could support one to, to three or four people uh, and really a little bit easier to manage people uh, collecting in spaces like that. Um, but I think, you know, with the concern about the physical safety of the patrons, there's really going to be a hard question that needs to be asked about the amount of space reserved for collections in libraries and whether there's some deaccessioning that needs to happen to allow the collection to get weeded to make more space for patrons. So um, I think we're gonna continue to see shifts in the balance of space within libraries. Um, and then lastly, and I, I think this is 
uh, a need that has really uh, reached a critical point in development. And that is the transformation of some of the group spaces, whether they're uh, auditoria or large group um, meeting spaces, the transformation of those spaces into smaller spaces. Uh, and also the likelihood of one of those spaces being dedicated to digital production, like what we're doing today, um, making sure that libraries have the capacity uh, to create digital content and share it with their, with their patrons digitally. Well, we hope the pandemic is a once in a lifetime crisis, but you and I know the world's changing very quickly and uh, we never know what's going to be around the corner. How are architects planning spaces? How, how do you do it? It's unforeseen. How do you plan for the unforeseen? I'm so glad you asked that question, Pam. That is um, a, a tricky one to answer and it really depends on the context, but I think a key for us right now is flexibility. Um, I know that's been a buzzword in architecture forever, uh, and everyone seems to think that flexibility is really the solution to uh, any unforeseen challenge, but in fact, right now, uh, it really seems to be more relevant than ever. So, would love to share an example of this, but it's one from beyond the library world. Uh, VMD Architects, of course, uh, does a number of different projects uh, across, um, uh, you know, uh, typologies. Um, I have been working on a student health center at a campus here in Virginia, and uh, we were about halfway through the design process when the pandemic hit. Um, we began to see the importance of separating the presumptive cases from otherwise healthy populations uh, at this student health center. And so as we developed the design and moved things forward over the course of, I would say, the last uh, five to six weeks, uh, the, the new design uh, is very responsive to this issue uh, and what we did or what we decided to do with the owner was locate a flexible workroom towards the front entry so that it could really serve as a screening space for uh, students coming into the uh, student health center. Now during normal operations it's obviously a conference room and has a multitude of purposes and um, that's its kind of core role. Um, but during the outbreak, it could be used as a triage space and a place to verify the conditions of the patient. So, so I think the lesson for architects is the increased need to think creatively about situational flexibility. Uh, it, it's really about planning for the unforeseen um, by using these spaces that can perform a multitude of tasks. So, so Jim, what does, what does that mean for libraries? Uh, good question. That is what we're here to talk about. Yeah. Um, I think for, for libraries, what that means is the uh, potential to need to reduce densities within libraries and then create flexible spaces that can perform uh, the duties that the larger spaces used to, uh, used to perform. So what that means is likely uh, the spacing out of computer desks, uh, likely the removal of chairs in group meeting rooms or in large meeting spaces. Uh, I have talked to a couple of librarians about the idea that they're seriously considering, at least in the near term, closing the stacks and really limiting uh, the circulating collection to a front desk pickup or a curbside pickup. So all the circulation is really done by librarians in the building and then delivered to the patron at the front desk. Um, I think with all the digital assets that are being created right now, 
the spaces to create them are going to be really important for libraries. And so, uh, again, uh, this podcast has, has really opened my eyes to the importance of having a room that is acoustically uh, contained, uh, has all of the infrastructure necessary to plug a microphone in and get a Zoom call started. Um, and I also think that we'll likely see a real expansion of the tools, the digital tools necessary to track how library spaces are reserved and used. And what that means is if a library has 10 group study rooms, um, the front desk will know who is in those rooms, how long they've been there. And one be when one becomes vacant, uh, patrons will be welcome to use that room. But it really will um, be important to be able to digitally track how many users are in the building and where they are so that one can more efficiently kind of disperse uh, the users to the spaces that are available. I, th I think also libraries have for so long been a key component, a central space for um, large communal uh, gatherings. I'm willing to bet that those days are over for some time. I think the large group meetings that have traditionally happened in libraries will most likely be done virtually uh, on Zoom or similar platforms. And again, I think that those large spaces that used to support those kinds of meetings will likely be carved up into smaller spaces. Uh, and then maybe finally, um, you know, there has been a, a trend over the last couple of years, perhaps longer, of creating really great outdoor spaces that help connect the library to the site. Uh, I can't help but think that this is going to um, uh, really prompt librarians to consider how they can better utilize spaces outside, um, spaces that benefit from fresh air and let uh, patrons establish this kind of safe distance between one another. So uh, I think there are a lot of great opportunities. Uh, we'll be really anxious to see how many of these uh, come to fruition as libraries begin to open. I just saw an amphitheater that was uh, completed in Auburn, Alabama at the Auburn Public Library just this year. And uh, I haven't spoken to them, but I suspect that they're using that outdoor space more than their indoor spaces at this point. I bet they are. You know, it's not just about the pandemic, though. What, what you're talking about, too, is how technology is sort of creeping into our service model in ways that perhaps we didn't anticipate. And going back to the people-to-people -people thing with librarians, how can, how can you sustain that, or how can librarians, how can we all sustain that person-to-person -person service interaction um, when we take into account the deep personalization that, that ha happens when you can't be face-to-face? -face. Is this, this going to be a new normal? And, and what, are, what are the implications for library space? Well, let me say that I really hope it isn't the new normal. And I think a lot of librarians out there might agree with me. You know, we're all, uh, at least those of us that have been involved in libraries, library planning and design, uh, all really got into this line of work because we, we love people and we love building communities. So um, I hope it isn't the new normal and I hope we can move past this at some point. Um, I don't know if I have an answer to, to your question about um, how the development of person-to-person -person relationships uh, moves forward. I hope that's okay. Uh, the, the one thing that I do know for sure uh, is that when the economy's in the, the tank, and I think we all know that uh, this is going to be a, a tough one for all of us to come out of, um, library use really skyrockets. 
I think if you look back to 08, 09, um, the, uh, the use of local libraries really expanded uh, and for good reason. You know, people were looking for release. They were using the library to search for jobs. Uh, they were looking for uh, social networking. Um, and I can't help but think that that's not going to be any different, even though the physical space of the library may look and feel a little bit different. So, you know, the services and resources that libraries provide are always going to be in high demand. And I think the real question is, how are those resources delivered? What does that delivery look like? Um, it, it's, an, it's an interesting time and I just can't wait to see what happens. I, I will add that, and I'm sure you know this, Pam, I've seen your library at home and it's expansive. Um, some people love reading and um, there are some people for whom eBooks just do not resonate. And so that digital um, information that many of us are starting to come to realize opens up avenues uh, for some of us just doesn't work for others. And so I think there's certainly going to be people that continue to need those books, ask for those books, reserve those books, and will be coming the, to the library to get them. So, you know, as we said earlier, librarians desperately want people back. But I think until there's a vaccine and uh, people are willing to um, make the proper, take the proper precautions, it, it's just going to be an interesting, to, uh, interesting thing to watch unfold as we go forward. Well, the other issue, of course, is uh, besides distancing is the whole idea of cleanliness, of, of keeping surfaces and spaces uh, virus free. As an architect, I, I know a lot of your work uh, is involved in, in finished materials, et cetera, et cetera, and systems. From your perspective, what are the design considerations when you look ahead to facility maintenance in, in a situation like the pandemic, but also beyond? That's a good question. And it's one that's often overlooked, I've got to say, you know, when, when we design buildings, I feel like uh, more often than not, the thing that's most recognized when the building opens are the spatial characteristics and the beautiful finishes. I think what's lost in all of it is um, there's great care taken in designing a building that is easy to maintain, um, that can um, be regularly uh, and responsibly cleaned. Uh, and I think coming from a, a number of library friends, as libraries reopen, um, it's, it's really as much about their cleaning regimen on how they ensure that patrons are in a clean environment than anything. So, you know, I think even before the pandemic, there were patrons that were concerned about the cleanliness of materials and cleanliness of spaces, and now some may be even less inclined to borrow books. So that's disconcerting, but I think there are a lot of ways to put their minds at ease. And, you know, part of that begins with a um, very thorough schedule of cleaning throughout the day. Um, I've heard just anecdotally that sometimes if staff is in the library cleaning during operating hours, it helps put people's mind at ease. So that's not something that necessarily has to only happen after hours. Um, and I, I would guess that that would likely mean that there are more staff doing that kind of work. So uh, interesting thing to consider. I think another issue that's going to be really uh, interesting to monitor going forward is this issue of the decontamination of circulating materials. Um, you know, it sounds by all indication like uh, materials will likely have to be isolated for 24 hours or more 
uh, and they will likely need to be cleaned before they're put back on the shelves to recirculate. So uh, in order to do that, that takes staff, it takes time, and it's likely going to take uh, the reservation of some sort of space within the library to house those books while they're uh, going through that process. Um, when we think about interior spaces and surfaces going forward, um, a lot of librarians are lamenting the fact that in their last renovation, they didn't install touchless restroom fixtures. Uh, they don't have motion activated lighting to really try to mitigate or minimize the amount of touching that happens in those sensitive spaces. Um, touchless water fountains are another great idea that if the budget supports them, I think we'll be seeing a lot more of that happening. Um, and then, um, you know, <laughs> the, the bright side of this for me as a designer and for many librarians is uh, we may begin to see a lot less fabric furniture, or cloth seating happening, and a lot less carpet. Uh, those, those things are a little bit harder to clean. Uh, so I think more resilient surfaces, more hard surfaces that are uh, easy to wipe down will likely, uh, will likely begin to see a little bit more of that. So. Although then you have the, the sound issue, right? Yes, and so of course the acoustics gets folded into that and that would be a major thing to consider as we begin to deploy these uh, new and harder surfaces in the library. But the, the challenge I think is also going to be, uh, we've always relied on those surfaces to help lend an air of um, welcoming uh, to the space. And I think once these uh, surfaces get a little harder, a little bit less comfortable to lounge on for, for hours at a time, uh, the question for designers is going to be, how do you replicate the warm, welcome feeling that that library had prior to that, that change? Uh, and that's something that I'm really interested in, in thinking about going forward. But I, I do think another big one, and I mentioned it earlier, is the strong likelihood that in order to accommodate the numbers of patrons that libraries want to, they're going to have to be really creative about the amount of space that they dedicate to book storage um, versus uh, patron space. So does that mean high density shelving? Does it mean getting creative with what's on the shelves and what's kept off-site? Is off-site an option? Um, so I, I, I'm personally very anxious to see how uh, both public and academic libraries start to think about, about that issue. So, um, and then, you know, lastly, uh, I think this one might sound like the most costly, but it may be the most effective in the long run uh, is to really think about uh, closely taking a close look at the building's mechanical system uh, just to verify that it is up to the standard that it needs to regarding uh, number of cycles per hour of providing fresh air to spaces and making sure that the air doesn't stagnate uh, within the building. So, you know, for many libraries, that, that's going to be a stretch or perhaps even out of reach, but um, that, that is an opportunity to really reconsider updating the mechanical systems uh, for the building. My goodness, Jim, it's complex, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is, but it's exciting. You know, I've, I've heard someone say that you really can't or shouldn't let a serious crisis go to waste. And I think for a lot of libraries, this is going to be a great opportunity to uh, rethink operations, rethink how they serve patrons, uh, rethink how much and how, how much of the time they need to be within the building. Um, I talked to a librarian in New York about um, the appeal for a lot of librarians to partial work from home uh, situations. So 
that may be good going forward for some people that are concerned about childcare uh, or a long commute. So I, I think uh, libraries and librarians have always faced these challenges and, and uh, come out ahead. So I'm really optimistic about uh, the future of libraries and I'm really excited to see uh, how things uh, how things change going forward. Well, I'm optimistic about having you back <laughs> because well, you, you have a lot a lot of very interesting insights, and obviously, you know your your experience is is varied and wide. Thank you so much for your time. You will come back, will you not? I would love to, Pam. There's so many other things we didn't get to talk about that I'd love to, to cover with you. So I, I would uh, gratefully uh, accept another invite. My best to you and stay safe. Stay home and stay safe. Same to you, Pam. Thanks so much and look forward to uh, talking again. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advancing America's Libraries. If you have any topic requests, tweet us at Ivy Group or email contact at ivygroup.com.